It's good to have a seat, and I'm just going to read these transformation scriptures to you again, because each one of these uses the word in the Greek that we get metamorphosis from. And so it's important to understand that. If they say transformation in the English, we know it means metamorphosis going from one form to another, and it's pretty important. So in Mark chapter 9, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. Now I look at this and I see there are only three disciples with him. Look at somebody and tell them with a smile, not everybody is ready for transformation. Huh? There he was transfigured before them. The word we get transformed from. His clothes become dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And Jesus said to Peter, you're in some serious need of transformation, boy. <laughs> he didn't know what he was saying because he was so afraid that a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. So that's foundational to our understanding of transformation. We're not going to get very far if we don't learn to listen to Him. That's right. And how many know if you incline your ear in one direction, you're pulling your ear from another direction? Mm -hmm. And that's the key. We want to incline our ear to what the Word, the Son of God, the Word, who is the Word from the beginning, has to say about our matters and about our lives. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, listen to that language. I urge you, I plead with you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the what? By the renewing of your mind. So I'm not going to talk about it tonight, but for example, if a Christian refuses to live in a place of holiness and purity, you're going to block the transformation process of God in your life. If God deals with you about something, you can't say it's not a big deal. Can I have an amen? If He's revealed it to you, it's a big deal. It's a block in your own life and your own transformation becoming like Him. Um, the J.B. Phillips says, do not uh, let the world squeeze you into its mold. You know, I've been quoting that version for years as a pastor. And I'll tell you what, today as we sit here tonight in this, in this service in our country, I've never felt more of the power of the world trying to squeeze people into its mold than today. And if you deviate from that, you know, then you're either a hater or you're just completely clueless or you're stupid or you're ignorant. Today, people have chosen to ignore the Word, ignore fact, ignore truth, ignore science, ignore even true medicine to go with their feelings. And I'm going to tell you something. We don't operate by feelings. And if you still operate by feelings in your life, you're more like the world. You're being squeezed into its mold. Because they are operating that way more than ever before in the history of this, in this world. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever increasing glory. Or from glory to glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You know Moses had a veil over his face. Anybody tell me Why? Because he's going from what? One degree of glory to a lower degree of glory. You and I don't have veils on our faces. 
The glory is not diminishing. Come on, say it. The glory of God is not diminishing in my life. But it can be hindered. The transformation can be blocked. Amen? So let's talk about this for just a moment. One of the uh, biggest factors, I believe, that blocks or hinders somebody's you know, transformation is just a simple thing called condemnation. Now, in saying that, we need to make sure we're on the same page about what that means. Um, there's a thing called condemnation, and there's a thing called conviction. And conviction is wrought by the Holy Spirit. Say it with me, it's wrought by the Holy Spirit. And it always brings you closer to God. Condemnation is never wrought by the Holy Spirit. That's not even His role. There will be some judgment in the end. You and I aren't responsible for our own conviction. We can judge things in our lives as right or wrong, but that's not our role. Conviction is the role of the Holy Spirit. So where does condemnation come from? It comes from the devil, but it also comes from you. And not just directed at other people. There are a lot of people that walk in condemnation, and yeah, the devil is, is accusing and bringing things up and throwing things up, but we have a fine way of walking in condemnation all by ourselves. And sometimes it's condemnation over clear things that are violations of scriptural things in the past, and some things that has nothing to do with the Word of God. It's religion, it's legalism, it's, it's somebody's idea, somebody's teaching, and you're condemned because you don't conform to that. Now, across the country, there could be ladies that because their skirt is not long enough, they're walking around in condemnation. That's right. Or because they put some makeup on. Yeah. Or because they have some jewelry on. Are you here today? Yes. Or because they don't conform to somebody's external standard. And how many understand, spending all that time and energy on that issue, they're not going to be transformed to what really matters. So at the end of the day, what do you have? They got long sleeves, you know, a neck lined up to here. They got a long dress. They're doing all the legalistic things they're supposed to do. And yet what really matters is the transformation that's wrought by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Now, I don't care how people dress as long as you what? As long as you dress. We are not going to have a tribe of Judah, river of God experience in this church. You're welcome to come here. You will sit down. You will listen. And you wear, wear clothing, to quote my sister. Look at someone and say, wear something. But if it's not that issue, it could be some other issue. And all your energy is spent on this thing. I violated that, I'm condemned. I violated that, and I'm condemned. Um, it could possibly be something that has nothing to do at all with the truth or revelation of God. That's the power of religion. Um, when you're convicted, it should be by the Holy Spirit and because you somehow transgressed on God's standard, on God's Word. And you know, God is far more interested in the way your heart is dressed tonight than the rest of you. Amen. So say it with me. Condemnation is wrought by the evil one and it always pushes me from God. Conviction is brought by the Spirit of God and it always draws me closer. Isaiah 43, again, this from the message, 18 and 19, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Well, somebody needs to hear that tonight. So I'll read it again. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert 
Be present. I'm going to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it or don't you perceive it? NIV says, don't dwell on the past. Isaiah 42, 9 tonight. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. And when he announces them to us, how do you know we should start announcing them as well? But we have to listen to perceive it. And there's no way for you to keep looking behind you and backward and enjoy the things that God has in front of you. Turn to somebody and say, God's got great things in, in front of you. you. Say, well, you know, uh, all the things that have happened, all the disappointments, all the setbacks, all the, all the pressures, everything going on, how could that possibly be true? That's just the point. The devil's trying to get you so, you know, bombarded by these things that you forget about the things that he's actually doing on the inside of you. I've watched people battle year after year after year and think that uh, because there's a battle or some kind of a struggle that God's not moving in their life. But if you hold a mirror up to them, they begin to find out that God's been growing them up all the time. You are not what you were even a year ago. No. No. You're not going to be the same a year from now. You're going to be more transformed than ever. Amen. And turn to your neighbor and say, and some of y'all need it. <laughs> Amen. Is that okay? Yep. It's perfectly fine to say that you haven't arrived. Religion parades around and Phariseeism parades around as if we have arrived and got it all together. That's another time for another message. But say it with me, there is no condemnation. Philippians 4.13, Brothers, I do consider myself it to have taken hold of it. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Uh, how many of y'all believe with a raised hand, Paul probably had some regrets in his life. Persecuting the church, arresting innocent people. Consenting to their death, the charges in the natural would be many in his life, and yet he learned forgetting what is behind. Now, that's not to say that uh, cognitively you can't recall what you did wrong. How many can recall what you did wrong even when you were a little kid? Yeah. I was a teacher's pet in first grade. <laughs> and I could do no wrong. And... Uh, one day I decided to put a, a tack in Andy's chair, Andy being a little girl that sat next to me, and she sat on it. Whoops. And uh, i never forget the, the sound she made when she sat on that tack. And she went up to the, marched up to the teacher and said, Mrs. Violet, you know, Art put a tack in my chair. And she looked at me and goes, did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Busted. Years later on, uh, Kelly was taking her graduate admission uh, exam in Carbondale, Illinois, and Mrs. Violet was in Marion, Illinois, and she was still alive, and I found her. And uh, <laughs> this show you how, how crazy things are sometimes. I, what year was that when you took that exam? I can't remember now. 2000, 2000 it was? Yeah. So I think she's with Jesus now. But uh, she was there, and I, I found her house, and I, I knocked on the door, and she said, come on in. And she, I'll never forget, she was sitting in there and she was ironing some clothes. And I, I looked at her. She looked at me. Now, this has been since the first grade. Second grade, third grade was in the school. We moved to Carbondale in the fourth grade. So it had been decades. And as soon as I walked in the door, she called me by name. Wow. Is that not crazy? And uh, before I left, she gave me a copy of uh, His Utmost Forest High since she autographed it. She put a nice little note on there. You know, so I'm still her pet. After all these years, I'm still the teacher's pet. <laughs> um, I had some other teachers that didn't like me so much. So but we want to talk about them. <laughs> Amen. But look, you, uh, 
you have this, uh, this ability as a child of God uh, to make up your mind and, and discern what's holding you back and then consciously say, I'm not going to let my failures hold me back anymore. Um, a failure, a setback, a disappointment, a sin, a loss, a sorrow, a trial, a frustration, a defeat, a hurt. Who's had some of that stuff tonight? Yeah. So what are you supposed to do with it? If you're going to continue transforming, you're going to have to what? Forget those things which are behind. And we're not just talking about your salvation anymore. This message is not about your salvation. I'm saying that how many of y'all love Jesus tonight? It's, it's not always an indication if somebody shows up on a Sunday morning if they're saved. But if a somebody shows up on a Wednesday night in America now, chances are <laughs> they're a saved person. Unless you're just wandering off the street, you don't, didn't know what was going on tonight, you were looking for something else. You thought it was a Dairy Queen or something like that. No. If you're here on a Wednesday night, chances are you're saved. So we're not talking about saved. We're talking about transformed. If any man be in Christ... 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he is what? He is a new creation. Amen? The old is what? Passed away and the new has come. That's the starting point. There are many Christians in this country that experience the new birth, but they never move on to transformation. When you find them five years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, they are the same. Still emotion ruled, still petty, still getting offended, you know, still, you know, walling around all the things that did wrong, and time goes by and they're not developing. And so, because they're not developing, God can't use them like He wants to use them. So, forgetting those things, amen. Say it with me I choose, I choose to, forget to forget and press on. Which means if they come back to you consciously, you just say, no, I'm not dealing with that anymore. It's under the blood and I'm going to move on in Jesus' name. And uh, not only do you have to do that, you have to remind the accuser of the brethren the same thing. When the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Because I promise you this, yours is great. His not so much. Your record has been expunged. There's a doctrine out there that says when you and I get to heaven, there's going to be this humongous video screen and everything you ever did wrong is going to be shown and everything you ever said wrong is going to be shown and we'll all get to see that just how horrible. You know what? That is not the Word of God. No, it isn't. As far as the east is from the west, amen, he has literally not just covered your sin, as in the Old Testament concept of atonement, he has literally obliterated your sin. The record doesn't exist. Watch this. When you're a juvenile and you commit a crime in this country, they'll seal your, your record. And in the right circumstances, somebody can petition the court to unseal that record, particularly if their crimes as an adult and they're relative to what happened when they were a juvenile. You can petition to unseal that. What I'm saying to you is, you don't have a sealed record somewhere. Your record has been expunged. It doesn't exist. There's not a digital copy. There's not a physical copy. There's not a memo. There's not anything with your wrongdoings on it. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. If you do something today or tomorrow, I, I, I encourage you to apply the blood. Come on, shout it up. My record is expunged. Say it again. My record is expunged. 
So why would you be condemned over something that doesn't exist? Let me put it to you this way. If God isn't holding it against you, why are you holding it against you? Who do you think you are? The God of all creation says, I don't hold it against you. See that? Why would you hold things against you that even God himself doesn't hold against you anymore? Romans 5.16. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. So yes, one man's sin and brought condemnation. We were all condemned. But that's all pre-Christ. Post-Christ is one righteous man paid the price of sin. Amen. And now there is no condemnation. Amen. Um, you're in a spiritual state right now. There are a lot of people around the world who would love to understand. He took your sin and gave you his righteousness. Yes. You're walking around. God has nothing against you. Uh, it's time for you to stop having stuff against you. I'll take a better amen than that. Amen. amen. Romans 6, 18. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. So you're no longer condemned. You're justified. Y'all remember when you were baby Christians and somebody tried to explain to you the doctrine of justification? Remember what they told you? Just as if. I never sin. That is not a joke. That is real. Your justification is the ability to stand in the presence of the Holy God without a sense of guilt, condemnation, shame, or inferiority. God did that for you and for me. And that's the position that you're in. Now, that's how he views things. The problem is, how do you view yourself day to day? Amen. There's a powerful desire in the heart of the enemy. Um, raise your hand if you're born again. And you know it, and you know where you're going, you know you're headed to heaven. Yes. Raise your hand if you've experienced the new birth, and there's no question in your mind. You may not remember the exact time, but you know, you know that you know that you know. The devil failed in preventing you from experiencing the new birth. That's a good place to say amen and rejoice. Amen. He, did, he did his best. <laughs> But his best wasn't good enough. And uh, he threw, you know, illicit behavior and influences at you. He threw religion at you, you know, all kinds of nonsense. And yet somehow through all of that fog, you still had him reveal himself to you. And he came and he saved you. And he delivered you. It's the greatest miracle you'll ever experience. I don't ever experience miracles. Oh, yeah, you did. Yes. <laughs> Again, you're in church on a Wednesday night in America in 2023. That's miraculous. <laughs> Say, I have the new birth. He failed to stop you from getting born again. His next best effort is to stop you from transforming. Do whatever he can do to stop the process of transformation. Because once you get born again, if you just kind of hang out till Jesus comes, you're not all that much of a threat. But if some of y'all, not only born again, 
allow him to transform you and you start walking around the earth like Smith Wigglesworth, the devil's going to be real upset. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I was telling Jackie, it's, uh, you know, I was getting a wellness uh, blood test and um, the lady says, you had anything to eat? And I said, no. You had anything to drink today? And I said, yeah. So, oh, you've been drinking, huh? Like that. And I said, I hadn't had that kind of drink since 1982. I said, I got saved, born again, and got my mind renewed. And I said, besides that, there are people in my family history that have a history of alcoholism. I dare not mess around with that stuff. Including my grandpa who abused my grandmother and four daughters because of the condition that he was in. And, uh, you know, this conversation went on. So I guess you got enough blood and it was time for me to leave, you know. I'm walking out <laughs> where you go and down a corridor and there's this little area where all of the doctors and phys physician assistants and all the nurses, they're taking notes, calling people, whatever it is, dictating. And I'm not kidding you, every head in that corridor, about six or seven, just turned and watched me go out the door. They were listening to the conversation where they take the blood in the lab. Amen. That's why it's so important for you and me to focus not just on being born again, but being transformed. Peter believed on Jesus, but after he was baptized in the Holy Ghost, he was transformed. And he continued to transform. He didn't arrive because some little bit of racism raised up in his heart and Paul rebuked him for it. Paul was a little harsh with people, like, for example, right, John Mark, and, you know, later on in his ministry, what does he do? He wants him in because he's profitable to me for my ministry. Look at somebody say, you're, you're a work in progress. Look at somebody say, you're at work. <laughs> it's okay to be a work in progress, but you need to be progressing. And a lot of people that are not. And you can't be a progressor unless you're under the word, as we talked about Sunday, experiencing the presence of God and committed in the household of faith. Sometimes you and I just need somebody to put the big bony finger on our face and tell us to knock it off. In the American church, that's hard to do because everyone is emotion driven and led. And the moment somebody corrects you with love and says, that's not the way to go, we get up and offended and all put out. And that ability to get put out consistently and not receive correction is the very thing. At that moment, that person's made a decision to stop transforming. Yeah. I've watched this through the years. You can see them 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and they're stuck at that moment that they would not receive that correction from God. Amen. Say it with me. Correction, correction. is good. But if you're the devil tonight and you didn't stop your new birth, he wants to do the second best thing as block your transformation. There's going to be a lot of people step into the gates of heaven one day and they're, they're going to just look and all of a sudden they're going to have a revelation. I really never became what God wanted me to become. Now guess what's going to happen then? You're going to be transformed when you get there. But there's a lot of transformation God wants to do right here. For us, but also for the benefit of other people that are watching us. So uh, I'm about to mess with somebody's religious cow. Um, and that's nothing new. But I want you to get a hold of, of this revelation because you and I have gotten in the habit of going over, you can go over there if you would, to Romans chapter 8. 
and quoting this scripture. As if knowing this thing mentally was somehow going to remove the condemnation from our lives. And that's not the case at all. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life that set me free from the law of sin and death, for what the law was powerless to do, and that was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sin in His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. The other translations, He walked on after the flesh, but what? After the Spirit. There is no condemnation here, and there are two conditions. Romans 8, 1 and 2 is a conditional statement. It is not just something for you to quote. Nope. Well, you know, someone feels condemned, so I'll just quote this. You know, there's now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Well, if the condition is met. Right. Yes. Come on, say, if, if. the condition yes. is met. Yes. And the first condition is you must be in Christ. Yes. You cannot tell somebody they have a right to be out from under condemnation when they're not. In Christ, in church membership and attendance and, and you know having grandpa in the ministry, that's not going to do it. Are you in Christ? If so, you've appropriated that propitiation, you've appropriated that sacrifice for yourself, and you now are in a position to walk free from condemnation as a starting point if you're in Him. One translation says it, uh, you belong to Christ. What does it mean to belong to Christ? He owns you. I mean, how many Christians in America can actually say, honestly, he owns me? He calls the shots. He directs my path. He says, stop or go. No, in America, Christianity is an appendage on the end of somebody's week. Not the core of who they are. Amen. Say it, in Christ. In Christ. Say, I belong to Christ. It means you must belong to Christ and be in Him in a right, current, and active relationship. A right relationship, an active relationship, and a current relationship. You know, he said there'd be people in the end times, they'd prophesy, you know, and they'd do all kinds of things in His name, and He would say what? Depart, Depart from me. I never knew you. Um, that's always a temptation, always an issue. But if you're going to appropriate this, this promise of no condemnation, you have to be in Christ. Well, if, if you've not been with Him lately, if you've not been walking with Him, if He's not really been Lord, if you've not been in a situation where, you know, some people treat God, God belongs to me, not I belong to God. If that's the case, you can repent and deal with that right now. If the quality of your relationship is not there. But notice the second aspect of this. Who walked not after what? Does that make sense? They walk not after the flesh, but after what? The, spirit. the second part of that condition is that they are spirit-led in their living. Now, write this down in big bold letters. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something that will produce condemnation in your life. He never has, and He never will. So if you did or said or involved in something that led to condemnation, even as a Christian, 
that was not led of the Spirit. Your flesh led you into that place of condemnation. So I can say all day long, I'm born again. There's now, therefore, no condemnation because I'm born again. And you follow what? The flesh instead of the dictates of the Spirit of God? You're going to have a lifetime of condemnation. Yeah. And you know, some of us are old enough now in the things of God, we need to put some of these childish things away. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that. And one amen from Jimmy over here. Praise the Lord. The rest of you have arrived. Amen. No. <laughs> it's time to put them away. These, these, it's a wonderful promise. How many still believe the promises are yes and amen for you? But if you notice in Scripture, from cover to cover, you'll see that so many of the things are, are plainly conditional statements. Fulfill the condition, and you get the promise. Does that water down the promise? No, it just tells you not everybody's going to have the promise just because they're aware of the promise. To quote, there's now there no condemnation, that's to be aware of the promise. To fulfill the condition is to tap into the promise. And uh, you've already done the most supernatural thing. You're born again. You believe in your heart, you said with your mouth, a miracle took place. But if you keep allowing yourself to lead your life instead of being spirit-led, you will continue to lead yourself into things that will produce condemnation, and that condemnation will cause your transformation to be hindered and be, you know, in terms of, of, of timing, you know, put off and postponed. Most of us could probably make tonight, it's been postponed enough. Amen. Amen. Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do or say anything that will produce condemnation in your life, Amen. ever. If condemnation is in your life, it's because the, you led yourself, your flesh led you into saying or doing something or allowing something. That's where it came in. Can you live free of condemnation? Yes. Can you? Yes. Does condemnation block transformation? You better believe it. I've, I've known people as a pastor sit there for decades trapped in some kind of a sin. And their flesh just keeps rolling. Amen. Um, but boy, once you get a revelation that uh, you don't have to live that way, and listen to me carefully, if you'll, if you'll pay attention to, to the things of God, the Spirit of God will always be present to tell you you're about to cross a line. Yes. That's the grace and mercy of God. Honestly, how many of you are about to let somebody have it verbally and you heard that still small voice? Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And how many of you just had to go ahead and give them your mind anyway? And did that produce peace? How many were very quickly convicted over that? Right. But that's not where it stopped. And then it lingers into a thing called condemnation. Now, that's what we're dealing with here. Yeah. When you deal with something, you repent of something because you're convicted of it, uh, that's where it's supposed to stay. Yes. But it doesn't. Because there are always consequences that are associated with the things that we do or we don't do. And that's what we're dealing with, you know, tonight specifically. Um, getting to a position where we're qualified for no condemnation. As long as you just keep doing these things and doing these things, you can quote that scripture to your blue in the face. You're not fulfilling the condition. Say it with me. Born again. Led of the Spirit. Say it again. Born again. And led of the Spirit. 
Just quoting the verse is not going to alleviate the condemnation. The foundation for a condemnation-free life is to be in a right relationship with Christ and to be consistently led by the Spirit of God. It's simple things. Uh, would, would the Holy Spirit lead you to hold a grudge or would He lead you to forgive? Would He lead you to serve or lead you to sit on a stoop until Jesus comes? How do we know that? Because whatever the Word of God says, that's where the Spirit of God is going to be focused in agreement with. Amen. Is He ever going to be, is He ever going to lead you to talk ugly about somebody? No. No. Is He ever going to lead you to throw a temper tantrum? No. Yeah, but you know, my family, we're Irish, we have red hair, we're just that way, we're just angry people, we're just mad. No, that's a cop out. <laughs> um, no. Your hair. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's not dealing with the, the core issue. Excusing your behavior is not going to work. Taking responsibility over your behavior, that'll bring you where you're supposed to go. Say it with me I must be born again and led of the Holy Ghost. What does the Bible say? Those that are led of the Spirit are. The children of God. And also not just the children, but the heirs. And do you know that the, the power of God, the transforming power of God, the glory of God is part of your inheritance? Yes, amen. But why would it be blocked? Childish behavior. Amen. First Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. <laughs> Is this a mature crowd in here tonight? Yes. Let me ask you again. Is this a mature crowd? Yes. Look at somebody and say, I can take it, I can take it, I can take it. <laughs> um, you want to live in such a way that if somebody were to say something about your character or about your life, the people that know you wouldn't believe it for a second. It's, true. it's been years and years ago, so you wouldn't know the story, so I'll, I'll tell the story, but... I had somebody in this church that actually was, was hitting on people, even uh, a few board members' wives, and uh, uh, eventually was successful in, in basically taking advantage of somebody who was you know, weak-willed and easily seduced. And I basically uh, was out of town um, you know, with Kelly on, uh, on a trip. And uh, because of the behavior... I mean, you know, that's, uh, there are times that uh, your leaders have to move to protect the church. Yes. Does that make sense? Whether we talk about it or not, it's irrelevant. There are things that are, there are a lot of things that happen, amen, that aren't for public consumption, but they're, they're done to protect the people of God and the specific people of God. And I just don't think that a married woman should have to worry about some dude hitting on her. Amen. And not being called to account. Um, well, he showed up while I was out of town. And uh, a couple board members just basically said, you know what, uh, you're not allowed on this property. You have actually been banned from this property because of your behavior. And uh, I can't remember if that was Kyle. Was that you? Is you one other? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, when, when somebody finds out that they can be removed, <laughs> this is not public property. You understand that? This is, this is private property. And uh, that uh, they, they complied with that. And so his response was to turn around and, and say that I had some kind of affair with one of my staff members. 
And, and listen to this. First of all, I would never survive that. I mean, <laughs> your pastor would already be dead, buried. And then when she got done with my mom would, bury, would unbury me and then kill me all over again. Um, <laughs> but, but this is what this, you know, so I called, I called Kyle and I, and, and explained this to him and he had some knowledge of this. And, and here's what Kyle told me. He said, you know what, Ari, he said, anybody that knows you and Kelly knows that's completely erroneous and false. That's right. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's right. Amen. And it's just an illustration to tell you that, that no, nobody here has arrived, but you're moving in the right direction. When you're consistent with this scripture, even when somebody shoots their mouth off and says something, you know what? It falls on deaf ears because guess what? Your character is blaring in that situation. Amen. Look at somebody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You didn't know that, uh, that my wife and I are both virgins when we got married. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Is that a bad thing? And today, oh yes, today it is. Uh, today it's like, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Waiting for what? To honor God. That's it. Amen. We're having to go through this process of getting these licenses, you know, like everybody else is, and redoing passports and stuff like that, and getting birth certificates. She went down to the county, uh, you know, clerk and got our, mar our marriage certificate. There it is, right there. It's proof. I'm married. 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 <laughs> Look at somebody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You want to live in such a way that somebody else's mouth or condemnation falls on deaf ears. This is the critical component here. It's not just being born again, but being transformed. And how do you know if we haven't arrived tonight and we haven't, there's still mercy and there's grace. Look at somebody and tell them God's not done with you. Say it again. He's not done with me. He's not done with you. Some other crackpot that lived in our neighborhood uh, off of you know, Sycamore's <laughs> Shady Lane one time uh, told three or four people at our church that uh, Kelly had left me. I'm like, well, I just, just saw her this morning. So, <laughs> You know, some people just have too much time on their hands. And Mr. Kravitz was out there <laughs> doing whatever. <laughs> So I said, I'll tell you what, Kelly, we're going to just go out in the front yard and roll around. Amen? <laughs> Prove that we're still married. Look at somebody say, some people are just stupid. Now, the other side of this, be careful what you say against men and women of God. You can get yourself into a world of hurt doing stuff like that. It's up to him to take care of all that stuff. But I'm just telling you that... I've seen a lot of people in a world of hurt because they couldn't keep their mouth off of God's servants. Who are you to judge another man's servant? They stand or they fall by the Lord himself. Amen? Well, you know, we got to help the Lord out a little bit here. No. Did God need help dealing with Moses when he crossed the line? No. He doesn't need our help. That's just flesh and pride. What's wrong with condemnation? Why is it such a factor in blocking our transformation? Number one, it steals our peace. Isaiah 32, there's a strong correlation between righteousness and fruitfulness. We can't be our best when we feel condemned. Righteousness is a force that allows us to be the best version of ourselves. Walking around with a righteousness mentality versus a condemnation mentality. Amen. 
It's not about, hey, I never sinned, so I can't have a righteous mentality. No, your righteousness is a gift. It has nothing to do with your behavior and your conduct. At the same time, if you walk around this way, you're going to lose your peace, going to lose your rest, and uh, you're going to be so focused on, on medicating and dealing with these things, you're not going to be transformed so God can use you. Number two, it steals our confidence in God's presence. 1 John 3, 19 through 21. In Proverbs 28, 1, and look those up and study those. The condemned are very timid, but the righteous are outwardly bold. Say it with you, the bold. bold. Righteous ones are bold. Griffo said it like this, sin makes cowards of men. Say that, sin, sin makes, cowards makes cowards of men. Why? Well, if they sin, they're going to what? They're going to come under condemnation if they don't start responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And they're not going to want to be out there trying to help other people. No. They're not going to speak into people's lives. They're not going to lay their hands on the sick. They're not going to intervene. They're not going to be givers. They're not going to be servants because they're walking around as cowards. Turn to somebody and say, sin, sin. will make you a coward. Right. Righteousness mentality will make you bold. Mm -hmm. And it's not yours. It's his anyway. It. How do you know he is perfect? Never, ever made a mistake. Never, ever sinned. Number three, it steals your sense of dominion. When you're condemned, you're not walking around with a sense of authority and dominion. You're under the enemy's foot, you know. Number four, it steals your effectiveness in prayer. The uh, effectual fervent prayer of a what? Righteous man avails much. Not just righteous because you've received his righteousness, but aware of that righteousness. Walking that out, living out that righteousness, it brings about a sense that my prayer is powerful and it's effective. Yes. It's very hard to have confidence in prayer when you approach prayer and condemnation. And that's where a lot of people live. Mess up, let of the flesh, condemn, go back to prayer again. Condemn, go back to prayer again. And this is a, a cycle in your life. And in fact, I want to just uh, point this out to you as we wrap this part of it up for tonight. There is a condemnation cycle. And uh, go with me, first of all, over to Romans 3. Look at this. Give you some, some insight about this. But now, verse 21, a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness from God comes through, what? Faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came in Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in His uh, forbearance. Uh, he has left that uh, in his forbearance. He had uh, left the, uh, I've got to read this word here, left the sins committed beforehand unpunished, but it is to demonstrate his justice at the proper, at the present time, so, uh, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Aren't you glad you stand justified today by His atoning blood? Say it with me, I am saved. I am saved. And justified. justified. Um, so if you do mess up, what are you supposed to do? 
If we sin, we have an advocate, don't we? Uh, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But when somebody's being blocked by condemnation, that's not what they do. Here's the cycle. There's seven steps of this vicious cycle. One is violation. The believer breaks a biblical principle. Raise your hand if you ever broke a biblical principle. <laughs> yeah, break a biblical principle, Pastor. I got a master's degree in that. <laughs> Violation. Number two is conviction. Rightly so, the believer's conscience is pricked by the Holy Spirit. It's a good thing to have a conscience that can be convicted. The spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. It's the part he lights up. It's the part he talks to. That's where conviction is. It's of the spirit. Third is confession. The believer confesses and repents of the sin. So we've got a violation. We've got a conviction. And we've got confession. But on the heels of that will come the evil one with an accusation. The believer is repeatedly accused and reminded of the forgiven sin. Notice what I said, the forgiven sin. Say, it's a forgiven sin. What happens when we're accused? What should we do when we're accused? We should be bold and say, devil, I don't know what you're talking about. My record is expunged. That's not what happens. It moves from accusation then to number five, meditation. The believer begins to think repeatedly about the accusation. And that's why condemnation is a byproduct of unscriptural meditation. You've got to be quick to know, say, I put this under the blood. I'm not walking in condemnation over this thing. Now watch this. To repeat the cycle over and over again, keep doing the wrong thing, it's going to make it more difficult for you to have victory in this particular situation. You're going to begin to meditate on what you did. You're going to become fodder for the condemnation of the enemy. And what you want to do is move on through this. So the accusation then comes to meditation, and the number six is condemnation. The believer experiences demoralizing condemnation and judgment. And then last is isolation. They feel cut off, they feel isolated, and you'll be amazed how many people at that point turn from God instead of turning to God. And not only do they turn away from God, they turn away from the church. That church is so judgmental. I tell you what, they never heard anybody judge them. They heard the enemy amplifying that voice to further isolate them. They feel condemned. And they think everyone else is communicating that condemnation to them. And that is not true. That's just part of the deception. That's part of what he's trying to do. So what's easier, to, to fight that accusation or get to the point where you are led of the Spirit? Led of the Spirit. Amen. Uh, anybody here want to volunteer a stronghold in their life? Didn't think so. Yeah, I want to share my sin, Pastor, right away. Yes, amen. <laughs> Let me volunteer. How much time you got? <laughs> Whatever that thing is, if you continue to be led of the flesh, you go through this over and over and over again. Now, your job is not to meditate on what the devil's accusing you of that's been forgiven. Amen. You say, well, you know how bad it is? It'd make a difference how bad it is. There's always somebody worse. Remember growing up hearing somebody say, well, you know, you're complaining about something and some hardships and sit back, and all of a sudden uh, somebody looks and you go, well, you know what? There's always somebody who has it worse than you. Yeah. There's always somebody that has more sin, worse sin than you. Mm 
That's not the point. Everybody that violates the Word of God is, in fact, a sinner. Now you've been made righteous, and now you're a saint. Saints shouldn't go walking around under the condemnation of the evil one. Think about that. You've been lifted up, seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. What are you doing down there underneath the devil's foot? Say it would be a violation, conviction, confession, accusation, meditation, condemnation, isolation. And what happens when you isolate? The violations increase, not decrease. You withdraw from his presence, withdraw from his people, and it just seems to, to never end. I've had people come to me and in times walked in, in great victory over things, whether it's personal problems, issues, substances, whatever the case may be. And they say, I just, I just don't know what to do. And I'll just say, here's the simple thing you need to be doing. Are you in the Word? No. Are you praying? No. Uh, I notice that you used to come to church regularly on Sunday morning. How come you're not? Well, I this, I that. Well, I got this problem, that problem. I got this pain, I got that pain. Well, I notice you don't come anymore night services or whatever the case may be. And they just make excuse after excuse after excuse. And in that isolated place, they are fodder for the will of the enemy. Smartest thing you can do when you blow it is run to the Father and run to the house of God. Run to this altar anytime you want to. This is not a judgment zone. No, it's not. Thank you, Lord. There must be something really wrong with that person. No, you got it all messed up. There's something really right with that person. That they would dare seek God's face and not care about your opinion. That's right. Amen. 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 So this cycle is blocking a lot of people from transformation. Let's say it with me. There is now, therefore. When? Now, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but what? But after the Spirit. Here's the condition in Jesus. Aren't you glad you're saved tonight? But that's not all that's required. It's time to draw on the strength and the power of God in the Spirit and say, you know what, I, I can say no to ungodliness. So Paul said to Titus, he said, the grace inside of us teaches us to say, no. How powerful is that? Well, I'm tempted to do this. Just out of your mouth say, no. Come on, shout it out. No. no. When you're tempted, you'd be amazed how powerful that is just to stop right then and say out loud. No. No. I'm, I'm agreeing with what Paul said by the Holy Ghost. No. See, a lot of people think grace is, well, when I blow it, God shows grace to me and gives me forgiveness. Did you know that grace is not just when you need it for forgiveness? It's power so that you don't need it again. Meditate on that. No, we have to sin a little every single day. No, that's religion. Amen. You can say, no. Say it with me. I'm led by the Spirit. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm more than a conqueror. In Jesus' name, I can claim no condemnation because I have the new birth and I'm led of the Spirit. Now, if you get up tomorrow and you make a decision in a certain situation not to be led of the Spirit, don't be surprised when it can be an open door to condemnation in your life. And that condemnation will block your 
transformation. You know what? I just see this as, as, as where you are and this image of what God has for you and these little block, you know, these little hindrances here and, and little hurdles over here and rocks over there and trees over here and, and mountains, whatever. I just see the Lord blowing each and every one of them away from you. And you have a straight path to his, to his glory and to what you're supposed to be. Amen. So we're just going to pick them apart. Amen. Come on, say it. That one's gone. Said, I'm done with it. In Jesus' name. I want to leave you with this. All of us are very familiar with the story of John chapter 8. Pharisees come to Jesus with a woman taken in adultery. <laughs> we caught her in the very act. Moses says, We ought to stone such a one. What do you say? Jesus did what? Stooped down and began to write. Now, there are some very, you know, powerful men and women of God who believe he actually just began to write out the Ten Commandments. And that's one of the reasons why the men began to disappear one at a time. Because they know they were guilty of that. Well, we don't know for sure what he wrote. But we do know what he said. He that is without sin, take on that role of condemnation and cast the first stone. It's a wonderful story. What happened then? Starting with the oldest. Starting with Jim and Jackie. <laughs> and my mom. <laughs> Thump. <laughs> there they go. Down to the youngest who thought they were all that. And by the time, you know, they all do this, they're all gone. You know, there's no one here to condemn you. No, neither do I condemn thee. That's where the woke church preachers stop. And by woke, I don't mean alive to Christ or awake to righteousness. They stop right there in the name of preaching a thing called tolerance. But what he said in full is, neither do I condemn thee. And I'm the one who has the authority to do it. Go and sin no more. Don't put yourself back in a position where condemnation can revisit you. Yeah. So if you want to live free from condemnation, real simple, number one, turn out, turn, uh, tune out every other voice that's coming at you. Pharisees, the world, other believers, even your own voice. Listening to the wrong voice will keep you in condemnation. Now come, the scripture says, the salvation and the power and the kingdom for his Christ. Now, the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him. The context of that famous phrase, they overcame them by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and loving out their lives even to death. Roman, uh, Revelation 12, 10 and 11. The context is condemnation, accusation. Turn out and tune out every other voice that's contradicting what God has to say. Number two, accept the mercies of God. Neither do I condemn thee. Refusing to accept God's mercy and pardon will keep you in condemnation. John 3.17 says what? I did not come into this world to condemn the world. But for what reason? That's not why he's here. He's not the one out there trying to condemn you right now. Your sin and that nature was condemned in Christ 
when he died and rose from the dead. That's why it says there's now no condemnation. But you have to keep the other part of it. Go and? Not because suddenly that's going to make you split hell wide open, but it's going to make you untransformed. Blocked in this process. Number three, think righteousness instead of sin and failure. Lose your sin consciousness. Some of you are taught you're just a black-hearted sinner, a weak worm of the dust. No, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, shout out, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You are no longer sinners. You'd be amazed how many people choke, throw up, choke, throw up again on that concept. Years ago, uh, in the 60s, early 70s, Brother Copeland had cut a record. Gospel stations wouldn't play it because he was singing about being the righteousness of God. Right out of the Word of God. But so prevalent was the religious teaching that we are just sinners saved by grace. They couldn't fathom playing such a song on the radio. I'm to thank God we progressed a few. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Say it with me, no longer a sinner. No longer. I'm the righteousness, I'm the righteousness of, God of God in Christ. If you're in Christ, what are you? Just a sinner saved by grace. That's not what Scripture says. That's a mind-renewing issue. And uh, the Catholics don't like this, but you're all saints. I don't serve the Catholic Church. I'm not a subject of the Pope. I'm a subject of the Lord, of lords and king of kings. And his word calls you saints, sanctified ones. Yeah, but I don't have any miracle attributed to me. Yeah, but you know, I didn't do all these great works. Look, it wasn't about you doing the great works that made you a saint. There's the error. It was he doing the great works and you're the benefactor of it. And you're a saint. Turn around and tell somebody you're looking saintly tonight. Get a little saintly glow about you. But you'd be amazed how many people choke on that. Get into a casual conversation with one of your religious friends and say, you know what, I am no longer a sinner saved by grace. I am a saint of God. Watch them swallow their tongue. <laughs> That's where we have not been renewed in our minds to allow this transformation to take place. Oh, it's going to be amazing when we all get there and find out what we could have had, what we could have been. Amen. It is not humility to contradict the Word of God. It is pride to contradict the Word of God. Say, so, I, mean, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. St. Barbara over there. You got a ring to it. Amen. St. <laughs> Wilma. How about this? St. Arthur. Doesn't that sound official? King Arthur, but Saint Arthur. And you know, we can't call them so that we haven't arrived. That's not the point. It's what he calls you. Yes. And if you're going to move forward in transformation, you're going to start calling yourself what God calls you. Yes. And believe it. Number four, and this is part of the trap here, give others the same mercy you've received. Demanding perfection from others and judging or rejecting them because they're not perfect, will keep you in condemnation. Jesus said, do not condemn, and you will not be 
condemned. Amen. So uh, while you're working on this transformation process, uh, let's deal with those things that keep appearing in our lives over and over again. Behaviors, attitudes, words, whatever it is. And don't condemn yourself. Judge them as inappropriate. And you'd be amazed how much more peace you're going to have. When you blow up, you're convicted, repent, confess it, receive the grace of God, and move on and tell the devil it's none of his business. But it's also time to do the second part of that scripture. Not just be born again. Amen. But be led of the Spirit. Say this one more time. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will never, will never lead, me lead me into anything that will cause me to feel condemned. So if he didn't do it, that leaves just two influences, you and the evil one. Amen? Can you receive this today? Come on, say it. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. He's made me a saint. I'm separated, holy, sanctified. There's no condemnation. Come on, say it. No condemnation because I'm in Christ and I'm led of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, if you leave here, you're not born again. Just repent of your sin. Give your life over to Him. Right. Believe in your heart. God raised Him from the dead. Say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Uh, but my guess is everybody here is, which means you're going to walk out of here and start dealing with things that are not led to the Holy Ghost. And that's common to all of us. I mean, you know, sometimes people just get under your skin. This Christian life would be so easy if it weren't for people. And yet it's people that he came <laughs> to die for. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I want you to bow your heads for just a moment.